On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, the voice of the Arkansas State Red Wolves, Matt Stoles, joins us to preview the matchup this weekend, and we give you some of the things we'll be looking for on offense and defense for the Sooners. We preview the best games in week one of college football, and then we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, August 30th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, yeah, that's right, it's almost September, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, we're so close to playing some football here in Norman, Oklahoma. Let's go. I know. We are um, We're knocking on the door. I feel somewhat prepared myself. Um, oftentimes, I, I don't. It just happens upon us. Here it is. But this year, I feel like I'm, I'm in the groove, ready to roll. Yeah, we got a lot to get to. So let's get started. Ted, you did BV's Coaches Show on Monday night. Anything that really stood out to you about what he said? Um, Not really. I guess maybe the biggest thing is I expect him to play a lot of guys. Um, and, you know, I, everyone has a certain feeling about whenever we see the oars on the, on the depth chart. I get it. Um, he says that, you know, all of those or most of those anyway, that's, those are legitimate position battles that are going to continue to play out. Um, but you know, they expect to play a bunch of guys. He said, like, if a guy's earned, you know, 20% of the snaps, they're going to play him 20% of the snaps. If a guy's earned half of the snaps, they're going to play him half of the snaps. At least that's the goal. Um, as they start off, sometimes that can be difficult to get to, but I do expect him to play a bunch of guys and not just, if we get a big lead mop up time, I think there's going to be a lot of guys, you know, in and out during the critical moments of the football game, which is a good thing. Right. And that, that goes back to the term we've heard over and over and over again uh, from Venables and the rest of the staff, competitive depth. Right now your hope, my hope is that 
you know, some guys start to separate themselves, right? That that competitive depth pushes some of these guys that are in these position battles to play at their highest level to where we're going, okay, he's clearly the guy for that spot, but there, there is no better evaluation tool than game tape, Dead, And we'll, we'll see who rises to the occasion, maybe who doesn't perform at a high enough level. Yep. No, we'll see. And, you know, coaches hate it, but it's just a fact. Some guys play better on game day than they do in practice. Some guys play worse on game day than they do in practice. Yeah. It's one of those hard things to figure out. Great practice players that stink on game day. It's confusing. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. The The depth chart came out, right? And, you know, going back to our last episode, we made our predictions. We kind of nailed it. Now, there are a couple things that I think surprised people. Now, Tawi Walker being listed as a co-starter with Marcus Major, if you've heard us talk about how the staff feels about him, it really shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, they love him. And really, it just seems like he's been rewarded for his consistency throughout the entire offseason, Ted. And I'm, I'm happy for him. I also think people don't need to overreact to it. All the guys on there are going to get a lot of carries and going yeah. to get a chance to prove what they can do. You know, Sawchuck has been banged up. And Venables has kind of hinted that they're probably going to hold him out of this game. We'll see, right? We'll see how he feels on Saturday. But, yeah, this is a guy who just comes to work every single day, does the right things on the practice field, and he gets rewarded for it on the depth chart. Durability. I mean, I, I don't think it's any mystery whenever you look at the running back group to say that this group has a chance to be something special, really, really good. But the kind of the underlying fact here is Marcus Major has had several health issues. Uh, Javante Barnes is coming off of a um, injury, surgery. He missed spring with it. Um, Sawchuck missed the bulk of last season, and he's already having hamstring issues to start off this year. So we've got a lot of talent there, but everyone's got a little bit of a scar on their record whenever it comes to injury stuff, except for Tolly Walker, at least that I know of. And, you know, whenever you're available for every practice and you're consistent, they know exactly what they're going to get from you. It's not a surprise that, you know, he is where he is. And the other thing is, it's not a charity case. Uh, yeah. This kid is a legit running back. He is, he's a bowling ball, incredibly difficult to tackle. He will absolutely rock your jaw in pass protection. So not a charity case with Tawi Walker. He deserves to be where he is. Yeah, and I get the sense that some people in the fan base are like, oh, this means that Barnes and Sawchuck, like they're, they're just not doing well in practice. That's not the case. It's just Toby Walker has been really consistent and he's practiced at a high level, right? So my advice would be before you start freaking out, let's, let's watch Toby Walker playing a few games and see how he does. Right. I, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Well, if I was blind and I was out at practice 
and I was judging who I was going to pick my uh, starter based on who gets screamed at the least amount by DeMarco Murray, who may be the most brutal coach on the entire uh, staff other than BV. Uh, I I would pick Tawi Walker as the starter because everyone else gets cursed pretty much constantly except for Tawi Walker. It's always good job, we. So, yeah, there you go. Which that stuff matters, right? That's right. Okay. It, was there anything else on the depth chart that really jumped out to you? I don't know. I'm just going to say, I don't know how anyone that listens to this podcast could be surprised that Justin Harrington was the starter, starter at Cheetah over McCullough. I mean, I, how many times do we have to tell people? That for a year since spring. And, and it's not a guess. You just go out there and watch the guy go with the number ones the entire time. I mean, that's just, it's not like it's not any grand revelation. I know here's the thing. I, like, I know people are super excited about Deshaun McCullough, and they should be. think he's a, a, a really exciting player. He's going to play quite a bit. I, you know, I think that he's going to get a, a, a lot of opportunities. And, you know, the point that you've made continually, I think, is right on. Venables will know how to put him in places to succeed given some of his limitations as they sit right now, which is some pass coverage stuff, right? If he's in there playing Cheetah, look for them to be really aggressive, bringing him off the edge. Um, if they're getting bigger personnel grouping, stuff like that. So, yeah. So was there anything else on the depth chart that really caught your attention? Oh... I don't – not really. I think it all was pretty standard. You know, the corner situation opposite Woody Washington is, you know, there's been some some nagging injury stuff there that's kind of shaken that race up a little bit, I think. Um, Definitely. Now, you now I want to say, Gentry Williams, I love that he's getting this opportunity, right? You know me. I'm always rooting for the Oklahoma guys. Mm -hmm. And he looks fantastic physically right now just like his body type but also the way that he's moving like he looks he, he looks by far the best he's looked since he's been on campus and it's just yeah man it's unfortunate Josiah Wagner was a guy that had a legitimate chance to start as a true freshman but he's got this recurring injury right that that is that's holding him back from getting significant reps in practice so it's a great opportunity for Gentry to just go and take that job, right? And I, that's that's what I expect him to do, right? When you get an opportunity like this, especially as a young player, you got to go make the most of it. And that's exactly what I'm expecting from Gentry Williams. Yep. No, I agree. Um, you know, he may have a slow start to the season because of the injury, but I he's going to be in the fight the whole time looking for either reps or starting position. Th this shouldn't matter as much as it probably does but when you see the corner group come out your eyes immediately go to gentry williams you go who's that guy yeah like he look he looks really good physically right now yeah between him and Jaden rowe oh my god walker and those guys like if you're arkansas state don't check the corner line over there in, in team warm-ups for oklahoma it's gonna look like linebackers yeah no he especially Gentry. I'm, I'm really impressed with, with what I've seen over this last week from him and can't wait to watch him.
on Saturday. Yeah. Now, one name, it, it just hasn't come up a lot, and it's because he, he had a bit of a health scare, and that's Jacob Lacey. But he is listed behind Laulu and Kelly there in that defensive tackle rotation. And we had Todd Bates on Coach's Corner this week. And he told me he wants to play six guys, right? That's that's the magic number for him. And he said Jacob Lacey is going to be in that rotation. Called him a technician, said he's really tough, right? Maybe the weight isn't exactly where you want it to be, but – yeah, he is a guy that I think is going to play snaps for this football team. And he's really with with the health issues he was battling, like he's really not a guy we've talked much about. But just listen to Bates and the way that he was talking about him. I mean, there's just no doubt that he's gonna play he's gonna play some significant snaps for this team. Yeah. And you know, he may be one of those guys, and I, I, everyone on the team falls into this category, but he may be one to watch a little bit more um, really start to come on strong mid season. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be quite a bit behind these guys as far as reps and, and practice reps, individual, you know, technique work and, and all of that stuff. So he may be a guy that hits a peak a little bit later in the season, which is fine. Yeah. Any other depth chart stuff? Sounds like we're going to have a punter tryout just in these non-conference games, but other other than that, the depth chart pretty much looked exactly the way we thought it would look. Yeah, I I, I think so. I um, no surprises at wide receiver or tight end. Um, no surprises at linebacker or or any of the edge guys, defensive ends. That D line just looks deep. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. I expect them to play at a high level. All right, let's move on. The things we're looking for in this OU Arkansas State matchup. Ted, what stands out about Arkansas State's offense to you? A lot of lot of mystery around that group coming to this game. But w- what are some things you're looking for from OU's defense in this one? Well, I we really got to control the line of scrimmage. Um defensive line should have a really big day. Um you know, you go back and you watch some of their stuff from a year ago. I just I don't know how similar it's going to look. A lot of the personnel has changed. Um, they did a lot of quarterback run game stuff last year, a lot of snaps out of the pistol, a um, little bit of misdirection, but, you know, some, some quarterback run and stuff that was sprinkled in there. I don't know how much of that we're going to see. New quarterback uh, last year was a, was a real runner, have to kind of, see this year what what their guy could do but it's all going to start up front um if they can block us in the run game and in the pass game they're going to have a chance to move the ball and score if they can't block us up front which this is where we're aiming to be like to have the big the mismatch on the uh on the defensive line we should be aggressive we should be in the backfield a lot i expect our defensive line to have a huge day in tackles for loss and sacks. Yeah, and when you look at their offensive line, height and weight-wise, look like a Power 5 team. Yep. Right? Height and weight-wise. A lot wise. of Power now, 5 players on there. Yeah, their they're center also, and I don't know how you factored this in, but he hasn't just elite mullet. I mean, elite. Go look at Jacob Byers' uh, team photo. Just, just luscious 
flow with the mullet, but usually yeah. translate well for offensive linemen. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but it should almost be a combine uh, category. <laughs> Just like do do you have check, a mullet? Yes or check no? The mullet. Yeah. But yeah, you're looking for complete and utter dominance from the defensive line, right? We've heard about the competitive depth. You know, you got a lot more bodies. You know, play a lot of guys, and you know that drop off, right? With which really hasn't been there in training camp, right? The ones and twos have both played at a very high level. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for that rotation to essentially like all these guys playing at the same level. Now, you also want a couple guys to really start separating themselves, right? And being like, hey, th- these are our our go-to pass rush guys. You know, these are the guys that are disruptive. Hopefully a few guys emerge in this game when it comes to that. But yeah, it's all about just dominating the line of scrimmage, right? That's it. Yeah. And Arkansas state's going to have a a big improvement on their offensive line from a year ago. And, you know, first drive, maybe they look okay. Second drive, like our defensive line and edge guys should just continue to come at them in waves and it's not going to take very long at all before you really start to wear those guys down i mean that's that's the way i envision it and if that happens as as you go back further linebackers secondary players it should all you should have a trickle down effect and all those guys should play much better as well yeah now if the red wolves which by the way just an awesome nickname right red wolves the if they can't get the running game going, the two guys to know are Jeff Foreman and Corey Rucker, 14 and 7. Those are guys that have made plays for them in the past, right? They they look to part physically. And if all else fails, they're going to try to get the ball to 7 and 14. Mm-hmm. And that's just that that's what that's what I anticipate happening if they just can't get anything going in the run game. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it's it's one of those interesting things for for a team like Arkansas State. Do you like how much are you really going to to abandon what what's going to be your bread and butter for the year? Right, some of your running game stuff. Like you're going to try and win the game, but there there comes a point to where I hopefully that this is more of a practice, and you know. I think they would stick with some traditional stuff maybe a little bit longer than they would if the game was in game tight and they have a chance to win it, which, you know, maybe I'm giving Oklahoma a little bit too much credit here, but um, I think they'll probably stick with the running game, but you're right. Like early, if they're, if there's a chance they're hanging around this thing, they're going to spread you out and try and attack some matchups instead of running right at the teeth of your team. Yeah. Anything else you're watching for for OU's defense? I, I, you know, I, I will expect a couple of, um, you know, these wide receivers to make a play or two. Their backfield, Arkansas State's backfield, is incredibly talented. Um, I expect, you know, for those guys to maybe create something, make a guy miss, spin off tackles. Like, there's going to be some stuff like that happen. What we can't have is a guy miss a tackle and it turned into a 50-yard gain. We can't have 
We can tolerate maybe a guy getting beaten on a competitive play to one of these receivers. We can't have free runners down the field. Like that's, I'm just looking for the defense to avoid the critical mistakes. Yeah. Don't. The other stuff's going to happen. I mean, yeah, they're not going to be perfect. Don't let Oklahoma beat Oklahoma, right? How many times have we heard Venable say it? There you go. All right. Looking at Arkansas State's defense. Right, and what I'm looking for for OU's offense. First of all, Arkansas State is a 4-2-5 defense. Now, they played some three-man front last season. They jumped in into it against Ohio State in the second half. There were some stretches against Memphis that they did it, some stretches against James Madison, and they were awful at it. I mean, awful. I mean, just god-awful. So how much three-man front are they going to sprinkle in? I don't know, but when they get in it, (laughs) I expect OU to gash them, just like all those teams did. Now, if you get into 12 personnel or 21, their nickel, which they call the star position, he bumps in, and Ted, my goodness, it just looks like traditional 4-3 defense. It would bring bring a smile to your face, my friend. But they're going to be undersized on the defensive line. Now, Micah Bland, the transfer from North Alabama, He's the one from a height and weight perspective. He checks the box, right? He's checking in 315, 318. But the rest of that group up front is going to be undersized. So I'm looking for Oklahoma's offensive line, right? This this group of five who are going to be playing their first snap all together in a game, which is kind of insane when you think about it. But this group five, this is going to be – This is going to be the first time they've ever played in a game together. I expect clear communication, no mental errors, right? And then I'm looking in the run game at those double teams on their bread and butter concepts, right? I'm looking at all the variations of counter. We saw Levy call last year. All the inside zone variations, right? Split zone, zone insert that was so successful with Braden Willis being kind of that chess piece. I'm looking for the double teams and the assignments to all be clean on that. That's that's what, and if it's clean and they're going the right places, they're going to move these guys off the ball. They are. So that that's what I'm looking for is that offensive line who I think is very talented. I'm looking for them to move some people. Right. And it, with what Arkansas State showed a year ago, they're not going to do anything overly complicated defensively. Right? It's now I would I would anticipate them doing some one gap movement, right? They're not just going to sit there in a base structure and let OU just maul them, right? They're right. going to they're going to try to change it up. From what I watched from a year ago, crossfire is kind of their blitz of choice. But I you got to handle all that stuff and you got to move people off the football. That that's the number one thing I'm watching for Ted. Yeah. And you know, I, I hope that happens. And you brought up a good point, like with the counter stuff and the insert stuff. Like one of the things to watch is like we don't have a Braden Willis this year, but who's gonna who's gonna fill that role and what it like what type of play are we gonna get out of them? I mean, because Braden Willis was was excellent at all that stuff last year. And can we get to that same level or get close to that? That's because, you know, philosophically with all the running stuff that Lebby wants to do, that's a critical part of it. Yeah. 
no doubt. Now, this is kind of building on the offensive line conversation. Running backs should have a lot of one-on-one situations with their nickel and their safeties, right? If you get things blocked up, there, there's going to be free hitters. That's football. But there's no one that is accounting for those guys in some of these concepts. Eric Gray did a much better job of making those guys miss a year ago. Can Major and Tawi and Barnes, Hicks, whoever, can they turn those situations where it's them versus the free hitter, make a miss and turn a seven yard run into a 57 yard run? That's do we have guys that can do that? Right. In Arkansas State, they got an experienced secondary. Their safeties have played a lot of ball. And they're going to come up and they got nothing to lose. They're going to be flying in run support. They're going to be trying to make a name for themselves, right? It's the biggest yep. game they're going to play all season long. So can can the group of backs that we've got with all the depth, right? Do we have any like game-changing guys that can make those guys miss and, and really turn these into some explosive runs? I I'm very excited to watch that. I am too. I expect it to start off by uh, one of those safeties trying to make a name for themselves, and they're probably going to pick the wrong guy because Tolly Walker is going to make him end up on Sports Center. Uh, now, the first time he may take a seven-yard run and turn it into a nine-yard run, whenever he, you know, takes his face mask right through one of those guys' chest, but it only takes one of those as a safety to come up a little bit differently for the rest of the game. So I think Tawi's going to probably take one for the team early and everyone else is going to uh, capitalize off the safeties being a little bit slower to come down to the run game. Yeah, I hear you. Now I've got two more things that I'm going to have my eye on offensively. You're playing inferior competition, right? I want to see this offense operate the way it's supposed to operate. Right. And I know that a lot of people looked at last year like, hey, where's the intermediate passing game? Can we develop this that part of this offense? Well, the, the philosophy of this offense is run it down a team's face, force them to commit more to the run, and throw it over their head for long touchdowns. Like at its core, that's what this offense is all about. So that's what I'm looking for. Efficient, violent run game. And then... When Arkansas State, and they played, they were very aggressive in coverage last year, right? A lot of one, a shocking amount of zero. They will they will give you the opportunities. And there's no doubt in my mind, Lebby's going to take those shots. Dylan Gabriel, he's he's got to connect on those. He's got to be better with his deep ball accuracy. We have to have wide receivers that can run by corners from Arkansas State. If you go back and watch... Ohio State's game with them last year. Marvin Harrison Jr. looked bored with how many times I mean he just ran by him over <laughs> and over and over again. It was I mean it was it was almost comical to watch. We we have to have some guys that can do that. Whether that's Dylan Gabriel in at quarterback, Jackson Arnold in at quarterback, I don't care. Run it and then run past them and score from far, right? How many times have we heard Levy say it? Right. So that's what I, I'm looking for this offense to just function and operate the way that it's supposed to operate. Yeah. Well, I, my hope this year 
is that our offensive line gets to a point where, I mean, the the amount of confidence, swagger, whatever you want to call it, that that, that group had a couple of years ago where they're standing out there on the line of scrimmage and they just know that they're about to maul the shit out of the defensive line. Um, you know, I used to get annoyed with the 15 yard penalties cause it was a guarantee that every game there's going to be a 15 yard penalty from one of the offensive linemen. Um, but I, if that attitude comes around, I think that's going to be like the missing link that is finally going to click at some point whenever they look at each other and say, you know, we're pretty damn good. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Last thing, Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, whoever's in at quarterback, they're going to have some opportunities to keep the football when they're reading the in man on the line of scrimmage, right? When they're leaving that guy unblocked, they crash hard at end in those concepts and basically dare the quarterback to keep the ball. So we we could see those guys take off. Maybe Levy will just call some like give plays where it's not an option for him to keep it. But there's going to be opportunities with the way, at least with the way that they showed how they wanted to play it a year ago. Maybe they play it differently this season, but uh, I mean, they just, they really do not, they they don't show a lot of respect for the quarterback keeping the ball and using his legs. So those opportunities will be there. I'm I'm interested to see how Oklahoma plays it. Are, are they going to, do it more early to get their guys reps at it and have teams thinking about it? Or are they going to not do it a whole lot early? I mean, they're going to do it some, but just a little amount of volume there and maybe have it be a bigger part of what they do in some critical games. I I don't know. That's kind of, that's the long game chess part of it that we'll have to watch and see how it happens. Yeah. All right. Let's get to call your shot. And we just, this one has a lot in it. So we're just going to do this one. It comes from Eric Withrow, who says, man, we asked you guys, hey, what's the number one thing you're watching for in this game? Eric says, good, clean game. No big busts on D, no penalties. I like that. Now, clean, yeah, I, I would say he's, he, he means efficient there. Cause I'm looking for some nasty, yeah. but I think he means efficient. And then the, the no big busts on D you hit that. And then no penalties. That's something like this. You gotta be a more disciplined football team. And in my mind, like pre-snap penalties, yeah. ball starts, illegal motions on offense, right? Jumping off sides on defense. What I like to call penalties of passion. Those are going to happen, man. Those happen when things are moving fast out there on the game field. But, yeah, none of the pre-snap stuff. Got got to eliminate that for sure. Yep. No, I agree. Um, you know, but do keep it in the back of your head that we don't get preseason, right? This yeah. is this is the first like full go of it. There's going to be some things happen out there. There's going to be some guys make mistakes and you know, it's good to make them. If you're going to do it, do it early where we can learn from it, correct it, hopefully not have it happen again. But like, I hope for a clean game, but I do expect to see 
you know, a handful of things happen out there. It's just, it's, it's how rust is going to play itself into this thing. Yeah, no doubt. I'm excited though. All right. Birthday, birthday shout outs time. Happy first birthday to Lincoln Dodd. Happy sixth birthday to Jojo Coleman. Happy 10th birthday to Cooper Thomas. Happy 26th birthday to Heath Cribs. Happy 36th birthday to Matt Mosley. Happy 46th birthday to Chad McKinney. And happy birthday to Christy Littlefield. All right, let's learn a little more about the Arkansas State Red Wolves with the voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. New sponsor alert. Yeah. If you're looking to buy some hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes, and they can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or you simply want to add your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. And if you're looking at that name, Colton Cole, and you're like, huh, yeah, Sherry Cole's son. Nice. How about that? Very nice. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter, toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here is Matt Stoltz. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Matt Stoltz is in the house. Matt, how we doing, man? Hey, great to be with you guys. We're fired doing up great. to have you. Fired up to have you. Fired up for you guys to make the trip to Norman. Uh, it's going to be hot, so uh, so start hydrating, Matt. Even though the, the visitor booth, AC is, what would you say? Ted, decent? It's decent. Well, last year, the was it the first game of the year the air conditioner wasn't working last year? Oh. Yeah, we don't need to revisit that, though. I think we'll That sounds brutal. <laughs> now, Matt, I wanted to start here, right? Butch Jones takes over a couple of seasons ago, and you guys have had a tremendous run with coaches, yeah. right? Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, uh, Blake Anderson. I mean, you won five Sunbelt titles between 2010 and 2019 and it just it, it hasn't gone particularly well since butch jones took over what what have been the biggest issues what what have gone wrong what's gone wrong for coach jones well what coach jones has done is he's done what you know he did at other programs with central michigan cincinnati tennessee uh he had to completely rebuild some of those programs and really he wanted to build it his way at Arkansas State and 
you know, what he's done, he, he's really attacked things uh, in, in recruiting. And, you know, at those other stops that I mentioned, he was known as one of the better recruiters out there. And you know, in what is a very good league now in the Sunbelt Conference, uh, I think arguably the best league in the group of five, um, he's turned in back-to-back number one recruiting classes in the Sun Belt now. So he's brought in some really good talent. They've really attacked uh, the portal as well. But, you know, when you when you look at these last two classes in particular, what he's done is he's done a lot of things that you really don't see as much of around the country now, particularly at a group of five school. And he's continuing to really base things uh, with his high school recruiting, he, he's going after after those uh, high school recruits, and then trying to address the needs through the transfer portal. So, look, it, it's it's not the way to get a quick fix and win a lot of games uh, right away. But he's trying to build a program, and uh, we, we've uh, we've made the comment a time or two uh, through our broadcast that hey, if he's trying to get another job and get out of here quickly, he doesn't act like it. Uh, with with the way he's recruited here in the first couple of years, I was um, I did a show with Coach Venables the other day, and you know whenever he was talking about Arkansas State, he got off on a little bit of a tangent as he does uh, sometimes, and he was he was talking about the transfer portal and how it really has hurt a lot of schools like Arkansas State. I know you said that they've gone out and tried to address some needs there, and I'm I'm sure they did a good job, but how difficult has it been with the with the amount of guys that are leaving the school? Well, one thing that yeah was I guess a uh, a positive following last season was the fact that there weren't a lot of our better players that took off, and uh, I think that says a lot about kind of the culture he's trying to build here. I think it's a very positive atmosphere uh, around the locker room right now. And hey, you mentioned it off the top, Gabe, just the, the the kind of success that this program has had. You can come in here and win at Arkansas State. We had a really nice nine-year run from 2011 to 2019 where we had nine straight winning seasons, nine consecutive bowl games, five conference championships. And, and yeah, it's been a, you know a three-year stretch now where the Red Wolves have had losing seasons. But we know that, that we can win here. And Coach Jones, again, is trying to build this thing back up the right way. And uh, we lost a couple of players last year. We we lost our best corner to Oklahoma State, and we lost uh, a tight end uh, who initially went to Colorado, and then he ended up at Mississippi State. But those were really the the only two losses we had in the portal. Uh, We had a lot of offers for our place kicker, and uh, he stuck around. And uh, we believe we've got one of the best kickers in the country. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's those little wins. It's building the culture that Coach Jones wants to build that, uh, you know, he feels like is going to keep guys around at Arkansas State. Yeah, I, I did see the kicker. Is it Zavada? Is that how you say it? Zavada. Yeah, he had a heck of a freshman season last year. He missed one field goal all year. Uh, it was from... 51 yards into the wind, and, you know, the very next quarter he comes out and hits from 56. He was a Lou Groza semifinalist last year. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of schools that were after him, and uh, fortunately uh, 
you know, we've been able to build a, a really good relationship with Dominic here, and uh, he wanted to stay at Arkansas State. So hopefully uh, we can keep him around a couple of more years after this year. What do you expect the offense to look like? Um, new quarterback situation, and I, I know that last year quite a bit of quarterback run stuff in, in that offense. Do you expect it to look similar as it did a year ago? No, I I don't think it will be um, – I don't think it will be similar to last year because the offensive line has been built up. It's a much bigger O-line than what we've had in the past here, even going back to the long run of success that we had, that nine-year stretch I was talking about. I can't remember a bigger offensive line. We brought in several transfers. We'll start three transfers on the offensive line coming up on Saturday. Uh, our center, uh, we believe, is a really good one, and Jacob Bear. Uh, he's a transfer from Lamar. He had started every game the last couple of years. We've got a couple of Ole Miss transfers starting on the offensive line that have come in, and that average size across that A-State front is 322 pounds that uh, we're going to start on Saturday. So uh, it's it's bigger than what we've seen in the past. That's what we need to do, address. We needed some size, some depth up front. And then uh, the quarterback situation is uh, a little bit different. We brought in a uh, transfer from Colorado, J.T. Shrout, who started at Colorado a season ago. He's a sixth-year guy. He actually started his career at Tennessee, spent three years there before going to Colorado for the last couple. He's won that starting quarterback job and I believe we have uh, some good skill guys around him, uh, feel really good about our running back room right now. It's better than it's been in a while. Uh, Zach Wallace was a very good running back at Tennessee Martin. He's actually an Arkansas product, and uh, uh, he rushed for over 1,000 yards last year at Martin. He's come in now to A-State. Jaquez Cross is kind of that that speedster type back that's certainly in the mix. You'll see him on Saturday, both at running back and uh, in the kick return game. And then Brian Sneed is a – a guy that was a five-star coming out of high school at running back initially went to Ohio state and uh, has found his way to Arkansas state. So he'll, he'll be in the mix at running back as well. And then you look at the receiver spots. Um, Corey Rucker is back at Arkansas state. He's a guy that uh, had a tremendous start to, to his career at a state and then went to South Carolina for one year wanted to come back to Arkansas State. So he's back on campus now. And I, I thought it was uh, kind of funny that your tight end uh, actually did the same thing, was uh, at, at uh, Oklahoma for three years, went to South Carolina last year, and now he's back. But uh, Corey Rucker did the same thing for us. Uh, we've got a, a senior wideout in Jeff Foreman, who definitely is one of the top targets. And then in the slot, we've got a guy that's uh, – transferred in from Syracuse, Courtney Jackson. He was their leading receiver a couple of years ago, and now he's coming to be part of our receiving core as well. So we feel like uh, we've made some upgrades. There's a lot of new faces on offense, but uh, feel like that it has a chance to be better this season. Now, as far as you know, what the style of offense is going to look like, in your opinion, is it an up-tempo attack? Are they going to get in a huddle, take their time? Like, what what are you what are you expecting the offense to look like, just from an operation standpoint? 
Yeah, there's some tempo to it, but it's not as fast as, as maybe some of the offenses you're going to see in the Big 12. I mean, they'll spread you out. I think really similar to a lot of the offenses you'll see. I mean, they'd like to be balanced. Obviously, you know, I think what happens early in the ball game is going to dictate what Arkansas State ends up doing on Saturday. Uh, obviously, you'd like to establish some kind of run game uh, w- with that bigger offensive line and the running backs I mentioned. Hopefully, that that is something the Red Wolves can do. But, you know, if, if they need to go to the air, again, they, they've upgraded at some of those other skill spots, too. But I think it, it's it's an offense that's going to see some tempo. Or you, you're going to see three, four wide receiver sets at times. And uh, they're going to spread you out. What you you know you went through the running backs and it's a good group. Um, what do you expect from the running game? Um, anything that they're going to build on from maybe they've done in previous seasons or with that bigger offensive line and and kind of a different uh, group there in the backfield? Do you think it's going to have a different look, like stylistically? Oh well, I hope so. And Ted, you you mentioned that old line. I mean, I. I keep going back to it. I mean, that that really is the key. That's where we've struggled the last couple of years, the first year, first couple of years that Coach Jones has been here, just trying to build up that offensive line to where it needs to be. And, look, you see it. I think some of the biggest differences between the power five and the group of five, and I think the talent level, and you guys have seen it, seen it as well in, in games like this, some of the better group of five teams, the you know, the starting 11 on both sides, it, there's not much difference. But it comes down to the depth after that. And when the offensive line uh, has three players suffer significant injuries like the Red Wolves did last season, you, you don't have that kind of depth behind them where you can come in and, and do what you want to do. And unfortunately, the Red Wolves did have three significant injuries to their starting offensive line last year. And it just completely changes everything you're doing offensively. So as it affects the run game, you know how that affects the run game with the offensive line. If you've got guys that, that are beat up up front, that's going to to kind of change what, what you're going to do. But I feel like going into the season, you, you've got a, a really good starting offensive line You've got a little bit more depth. There are a couple of more backups this year, and then the the running back uh, the running back room really is one of the better rooms right now for Arkansas State. So, again, it's going to be a huge challenge against that Oklahoma defense coming up on Saturday. But hopefully, with the upgrades they've made, we can see a little bit of progress. Now, if the Red Wolves want to make this interesting at all, right? The- they got to play well along the defensive line among that group. Who, who are the standouts who, who's really stood out to you in training camp? Who were they hoping can, you know, can provide some resistance against Oklahoma's offensive attack? Yeah, I, I like our ends. Uh, they're young guys. Uh, you know, Key Ryan Crawford showed us some things last year as a true freshman. He's a Memphis product. Uh, he'll get the start on Saturday at uh, one of the defensive end spots. So like him, I like Ethan Hassler, who started his career as a linebacker, but he's moved up to the D-line now as an end and has really built up his body. So Crawford and Hassler are the two ends. And then on the inside, you know, that's been 
that's been a position where Coach Jones has been trying to upgrade the last couple of years. At defensive tackle, that has not been the strength of the defense. And, you know, we feel like we've got some more options there now. We brought in a guy at, at tackle, uh, somebody uh, that had started every game the last couple of years at North Alabama, Micah Bland, and he's had a good camp. Uh, next to him, you know, we've got guys like Tim Hardiman, uh, Tank Sujic, who is a, a former Vanderbilt transfer. And then uh, we brought in a Princeton transfer, Nate Marty, who's had a good camp as well. And uh, feel like uh, hopefully with that rotation, uh, we can stay somewhat fresh at, at the tackle spots. But we need to see a little bit more production than what we've seen uh, at those interior defensive line positions than what we've seen in the last couple of years. I almost feel like Colorado shouldn't be the story. Arkansas State should be the transfer portal story. I feel like everyone you've listed off is, is transfers from all kinds of different schools. How has that been for you trying to keep track of uh, <clears throat> learn a whole new football team this year? Well, yeah, I think that that's just kind of the, the new normal anymore. Yeah. You, you have to Same for us. spend a lot of camp just figuring out who the new guys are and what numbers they're wearing and where they are on the depth chart and, and uh, yeah, just getting to know a new crew. And obviously there's, there's uh, things like that. You got to do every preseason, but even more so I think now in the age of the transfer portal and you're right, you, you can go out and address some needs in the portal, but kind of getting back to what I was talking about earlier, I think Coach Jones has really stayed true to what he wants to do. And I know I'm mentioning mentioning a lot of these portal guys. They they've really still gone out and and recruited the high schools as strong as anybody. And that is how they're building this thing up. This is still a really young team. And they were one of the youngest teams in the country last year. I think they were the fourth youngest when you looked at the percentage of underclassmen on the roster. Now, obviously, you got a little bit more experience this season. But when you look at the number of seniors, the Red Wolves have the third fewest amount of seniors of any roster in the country this year. And the only two with less seniors, and I found out this stat yesterday, Old Dominion only has six, and Colorado has one senior on their roster this year with the way Dion has flipped that. But uh, I thought that was interesting. This this is still a young team, but, yeah, I, I think that they've really done a good job with the high school players but tried to address those those needs through the portal. One, one last question for you, Matt, and we'll let you get out of here, man. Any other yeah. playmakers on the defensive side that we need to know? It seems like the most experience on that defense is in the secondary, but who, who are the, the other standouts on that defense? Yeah, I, I really like uh, – I like a couple of our linebackers in particular, Malik Straker and, and Char Willickis. Um, you know, Kenny Willickis is Char's brother. Kenny, a former All-American at Michigan State, playing in the NFL, and uh, Char has done a good job. He's – uh, gone from a special teams guy a couple of years ago, and he'll get the start at Mike, Mike Linebacker coming up on Saturday. So happy for him. And then I really think the strength of the defense is the secondary. You've got a, a lot of experience coming back. 
Sammy Johnson, Leon Jones, have seen a lot of time at corner before. And we were able to bring in a guy who had started the last couple of years at UCF, uh, Justin Hodges. And, you know, he uh, he came in mid-camp. So he's just been here a few weeks and he's earned uh, the starting position at one of the corner spots in, in a big hurry. We've got some more depth behind those guys I mentioned. And then at safety, uh, uh, just a ton of experience there. Uh, Eddie Smith, a former Alabama transfer, he'll start. Travion Thomas is uh, another guy that started a lot of games uh, right beside him at safety. And then you know, Justin Parks, one of the team leaders, uh, another guy at that position to look for. But we really feel with the experience and the talent in the secondary, that should be the strength of the defense. Matt, we appreciate the time, man. Travel safe to Norman, and we'll see you on Saturday. Hey, looking forward to it. Well, it sounds like our man Matt's got some new names to learn. Yeah. That's the conversation uh, we needed to have, though, to get up to date on this team and and some of the names that are going to be out there. It's going to be interesting. Hey, um, I, I'm happy that this is going to be a much better test for our defensive line maybe than I anticipated coming in. Yeah, so, that's really the way that Matt the made line. it sound. Yep. Yeah, yep. so we'll see how it goes. All right, let's preview the biggest games in week one of college football. But first... John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They have nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair cost. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants the best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. All right, week one here in college football, really fun one on Thursday night. It'll be at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Florida travels to number 14, Utah, and this line has moved a lot. But currently sitting at Utah being a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Ted, this was a fun game between these two teams last year. I I. I think it certainly makes a big difference that this one is in Salt Lake City. But the big question remains, will Cam Rising play or not? And I just, I don't know what to think about this football game until we know if he is or isn't. Right. Um, I operate off of what I have seen from Cam Rising previously. 
I know nothing about his injury now and where he sits or what their thoughts are, but I know that that dude's a stud. I know he wants to play. I know he's tough as hell. I would I would slide my money over to the uh, the section that says Cam Rising's playing in this football game. Yeah, it's almost to the point where I'm not going to believe he's not playing until I see someone else run out there for Utah at quarterback. That's right. Which I think says a lot about how much respect people have for him as a player mm-hmm. and his toughness and just the way that he goes about it. Now, whoever's playing quarterback for him is going to try to find Keithy, the tight end. Guy's a stud. But they've got some question marks at wide receiver. And on the other side of things, it's an important year, too, for Billy Napier there at Florida. And I really wonder how much is he going to put on Graham Mertz, right? in this game, I, I would anticipate them leaning on the running game with Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. Like they got two really, really dynamic backs, but here's where I'm at with this one. I'm going to need to see Graham Mertz go beat a good team on the road before I put any type of faith in him. It's just where I'm at. And I've got questions about the, about Utah's defense. They were not the type of defense I expected them to be a year ago, right? And they got some new faces. They got some things to figure out. But from a betting perspective, there's way too much unknown for me to touch this game. If Cam Rising doesn't play, I would not be surprised at all if Florida went and won. But I just, I can't bet on Graham Mertz. There's just no way in hell I'm doing that. I'm just looking to be entertained with this one. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting dynamic with this game. I, you know, the way Utah last lost it last year, I mean, if they play that game 10 times, Utah wins nine of them, you know? Um, I, 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 I just, I can't believe that Florida can go out to Utah and beat them. I don't think Florida's very good. Um, they, now, they've got some individual excellent talent, excellently talented players scattered throughout the roster but I to me this is a style game and Utah playing it at home uh, and you're right defensively you know they've got to get get back to being able to control that defensive line control the line of scrimmage which is what got them to you know be known for who they are defensively but I don't know I think the intimidation factor of playing like a big name like Florida may have been there a year ago and I just I don't think it's going to be there at all this year and it's going to change the way Florida attacks this game yeah I I'm excited to watch but yeah if Cam Rising plays I love I love Utah if he doesn't I just don't want him to get hurt I yeah just don't want him to get hurt that that's the that's the worst case scenario right coming back that quickly from the ACL going out there trying to be the tough guy and then it going really wrong. Like we all want to see Cam Rising play football this season and is as high of expectations as Utah has for the season, right? They they've got to prioritize clearly his health, but also win in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Right? You you can't have you can't have a miss the entire year, right? So I I think Kyle Whittingham and that staff are going to be smart, but I'm kind of just expecting a both teams running a lot, just like kind of a bar fight type of football game. 
be good. Be good. I that's that's what I see. All right, moving on to the next game. In what could be the most hype potential blowout we've seen in quite some time. Colorado going to number 17, TCU. TCU currently, depending where you're looking at, a 20 and a half or 21 point favorite. This game will be Saturday at 11 a.m. on Fox. This is big noon kickoff. And that it's going to be 100 degrees in Fort Worth. So you always got to factor that in. Brutally hot. Um, there's no doubt about that. This game is interesting to me. Like, I don't know where. Like, TCU is one of the more difficult teams for me to place kind of in the in the Big 12 where they are. Um, they lost some players, there's no doubt, but they return a lot of really good players too. Um, I don't overthink this. It's cool that Dion's at Colorado and the thought of Colorado being back in the Big 12 is cool and, you know, maybe being back to where they were as a top 25 type of team yearly is cool to think about, but they ain't there yet and TCU is going to whip their ass in this game. I completely agree. <laughs> now, while I think Deion Sanders has upgraded the roster, I still think it's one of the worst rosters in the Power Five, maybe still the worst. And we're, we're all interested in seeing Colorado play, right, with the way the Coach Prime has gone about flipping the roster, right? And I'm excited to watch Shador Sanders play. And I am for sure excited to watch Travis Hunter play and see how much offense he gets to play, right? Guy looks like he's going to be an elite corner, but he's made it very clear. He wants to play a little wide receiver as well, but I'm really going to be tuned in to see Chandler Morris and that offense for TCU going to be playing with a lot more tempo than what we saw from them last year in Kendall Browse's offense. Should be really fun to watch. And I'll go back to what, Sonny Dykes told us at Big 12 Media Day. Said the wide receiver group is better. Sounds like they're going to move some offensive linemen around. Brandon Coleman, who was their right tackle, just mountain, or was their left tackle last year. A mountain of a man. Sounds like they're kicking him into left guard. And they're going to bring Coker, the right tackle, over to play left tackle. So you're going to have two just enormous dudes on the left side of the line. So if that ends up being the lineup, Right, which I know that they have practiced with that lineup this week. I I look forward to watching that. Yeah. And you look at the line they're gonna have across board. I mean, Jeremy Clark, who who does their 24-7 sports site, told me they're gonna average about six six and three thirty across the board. Woo. So a lot of lot of beef, large humans. That's a lot of beef for a uh fully dismantled and repurposed. Uh, roster. Yeah. And this is kind of how I see this game going. I expect TCU to pull away in the second half and win big. Right? I don't, I don't think Colorado has the depth, especially in that type of heat. Uh, they, they've got some talent, but I think they're going to, I think they're going to run out of gas and the Horn Frogs are really going to separate in the second half and put it on them. Like that, that's kind of how I see this game going, but I, I'm excited to watch Morris. I'm excited, and I think that TCU defense is going to be better this season, despite losing guys like Horton and D. Winters. I, I think year two under Gillespie, they're just going to be a better unit, right? Play better team defense. So 
I kind of think Colorado's walking to a bit of a buzzsaw. And that buzzsaw also happens to be like in a hundred and one degree heat. Yeah. I I I think we view this thing the exact same, except I think TCU is going to pull away on the second drive of the game. Oh, just straight come out and punch him right in the face. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. weird that I want that to happen? It's nothing against Deion Sanders. It's I am I'm way higher on TCU than a lot of people. I am too. I've been slowly, you know, since the more I've looked at it, the more I've you know really heard you talk about some of the guys that are coming back, you know, I, cause I, I don't know why I thought they lost Hodge and Hodges at linebacker, but they're both back, which is, Oh, oh that's a prediction from that game is that Jamoy Hodge is going to do something to where it's going to set Twitter on fire. Now, hopefully he doesn't get kicked out of the game, but he's probably going to green dog and not, Shador Sanders into another dimension or something like that. And everyone's going to go, Oh my, he's going to have one of those plays. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. Six, six for the horn frogs guy yeah. is just a menace to society. He's I, since Colorado announced that they're coming to the big 12, it's only uh fitting that you have your quarterback sent out of the game by Jamoy Hodge. Right? <laughs> that's just, that's, <laughs> that's how, just it how it goes. <laughs> It's part of coming to the to the conference. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's fun to watch, man. But yeah, I I'm really excited for that football game, mainly on the TCU side of things, right? With, yeah. Especially with the Sooners having them the last week of the season. All right, last game we're gonna hit big one, marquee matchup, number five LSU versus number eight Florida State. LSU is currently a two and a half point favorite. This is gonna be Sunday night football. 6.30 on ABC. It's at Camping World Stadium, which is where oh, you played the Cheez-It Bowl. So we're yep. familiar with now. It's going to be interesting to see what that crowd looks like. you got to imagine with how big of a game it is and the way that LSU fans travel that it's going to be 50-50-ish or at least close to it. But it was a heavy Florida State crowd when we went there for the bowl game. But I'm not entirely sure how the ticket distribution went, but I expect it to be a more balanced crowd. I expect it to be a volatile situation as well. Yes. I expect. <laughs> yes. With with a with a night kick and the way I Florida State gets it on pretty good as we witnessed down there. Um and LSU obviously has a reputation to uphold, so volatile situation. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Now, it's highly unlikely that we get something more dramatic than what we got last year in this game, right? LSU storming back at the fourth quarter, only get the tying PAT blocked, right? And that's how that's how that one ended. But I'm expecting a really good football game. I, I am, and it's heavily influenced by what we saw in the Cheez It Bowl. I'll be the first one to tell you, I am not completely bought in on Florida State. I like Jordan Travis, but I don't love him. And, and even without Mason Smith available for LSU. I could see Harold Perkins and all those guys they've got in that front seven. I could I could see him causing some problems for Florida State's offensive line. And then on the flip side, I, I'm really excited to watch Jared Verse go against those tackles. Right. Both of those guys that started as true freshmen for LSU a year ago. Like watching Verse go against those guys who both project to be, you know, NFL guys down the line. That should be a lot of fun. And then 
I could see Jaden Daniels. That's a fast track there down in Orlando. Jaden Daniels and his legs. That that's an interesting wrinkle to this game. And Jordan Travis can run also. Mm-hmm. So both quarterbacks and what they end up doing with their legs, the damage they do as runners, I, I think that's going to be a big part of this football game. Could be some talent out there in this game, isn't there? Individual Correct. talent. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what Jordan Travis and uh Johnny Wilson can do linking up. Um and no, let's not Keon Coleman comes yep. in from Michigan State. He was their best wide receiver. Everything I've listened to and read said that he just looks amazing in training camp for the Knowles. So that's going to be a fun one, man. Um, I think LSU, because I'm kind of the same way on Florida State, and maybe it's I can, can I just can I just say I think I'm starting to develop a little SEC bias since we're going to the conference. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Well, I hadn't thought of that because I, I looked at it and I was like LSU. They're just going to be more talented. They're just going to be bigger and more physical. You know, like that's that was something that popped into my head as I was as I was thinking about this football game, and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, I maybe I just haven't recognized my SEC bias yet, but I think it for me it has more to do with not being very impressed by Florida State in the bowl game. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, maybe that's a dumb thing to do, but I a lot of their in, like really good individual players, I was just like, okay, good, not great. Jared Verse, good. First round, eh, maybe you know he's he's got some some of those plays that are just so good that you say there's not very many guys that could do that, but I didn't see, I didn't see that on the snap in snap out basis from him. So I don't know. Um, give me LSU though. If I have to pick. Yeah, I'm with you. I like LSU minus two and a half. And I would just say with all the talent that's going to be on the field, I think we can all agree. Please don't let it come down to field goal kicking again. I know. Let, I, it, no offense to the kickers. I love I love kickers. They're essential to success. But when you get two teams, like you're getting a top 10 matchup, and these are two teams that a lot of people think have a very legitimate chance to go to the playoff and possibly make some noise, Let, let's decide it some other way than field goals, please. <laughs> you know? I agree. And I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, it's part of the game. Yeah, we have to live with it when it happens. But give us something dramatic. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, celebrate with a Schooner All American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Works, named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice cold beer from Coop Ale Works. You can join it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, 
participation in OSSAA athletics where uh, they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Oh, man. I I hope I'm not jumping the gun on this. But I had to I had to give our man a little bit of uh, a little bit of time, a little bit of credit, a little shout out. Brain Willis made the 53 for the 49ers. Let's go. How awesome is that? Perfect I, place I love for it. him to go. It we talked about it when he ended up there. It was the it was as good of an opportunity as he was going to find, right, with his skill set, with what he showed in his senior year at Oklahoma. It almost seemed like too perfect of a fit, but now there are a couple days here, right? I don't know. You you don't want to you don't want to start popping the champagne quite yet, right? Because you got waivers, a lot of other guys become available on that waiver wire. You just I'm just saying we got to wait here a couple days. Now I'm fully anticipating Braden being part of the 49ers organization, but. I have I've seen the movie before where it goes where the celebration begins and then two days later they're bringing another guy in and you're getting cut. I've lived yep. that life. So while I'm so pumped, I'm also I'm just I'm staying calm. I'm not overdoing it. Now, two days from now, let's celebrate. I mean right. big time. Let's celebrate. Um I it's a great sign no matter what, whenever you make the fifty three. Um I, it, it's a good sign that you're thought of highly, obviously at your own uh, location, but there's probably going to be some other people that have a high mark on you as well. So um, not a whole lot of, of stability at the moment, but gosh, I'm proud of him. And I, uh, I think the future is very bright for the kid. I'm i I'm thrilled for him. Just think he gets to walk into that building every day walk straight up to Brock Purdy and make fun of him. <laughs> right? Hey, remember all the times you lost us? You remember the Big 12 championship game? What were you? What was that throw? What were you doing? You know, you had that, plenty of time left. Why heave it like that? Come on, man. That's that's fun. And in all seriousness, extremely proud of Braden. He earned this, right? And it started with what he did for this football team last year. I mean, he was invaluable to the 2022 OU team. And, you know, when you put in the work, you you get rewarded. So I, I'm fired up for him. And, and all of a sudden, he's on a roster where going to a Super Bowl as a rookie is a very real possibility. Yes, With it the is. way that that team looks. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's – it's going to be a fun year for them, man. Uh, proud of the guy. Awesome job, Braden Willis. Way to go, Braden Willis. Weight room Willie. On the 53 there in San Fran. Let's go. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Well, from one good story about a tight end to a bad story about a tight end. What's going on with Eric Gilbert, man? Come on, right? Did you see the video? Yeah. I mean, what? You know, I... I... It took him entirely too long to kick that door in, by the way. At his size. 
I know. And the shock that the police were there, you know, what do, what do you expect? What do you think is going to happen? I, I just, I get really frustrated with guys that are as talented as he is, have as many second, third, fourth opportunities as he had. And still, like, this isn't a guy that's making mistakes. He didn't, he wasn't hanging out too late. And, you know, some, some circumstance went down or a, you know, a bar fight, you know, some of those things are less avoidable than something like this. I, to blatantly go break into a store and still a bunch of vape equipment. What the hell are you doing? It's, it's, it's way up there on the stupid stuff you can do. Right. And uh, I mean, what felony burglary charge? I mean, yeah. what? This is this guy's third school. Yeah. Remember LSU, then Georgia, now Nebraska. They were still waiting on his waiver. Hey, you know what doesn't help you get your waiver approved? Getting arrested. <laughs> That's not right. going to help the situation. I. I, I don't want to pile on the kid, but I don't ever expect to see this guy playing football again. I just don't. I don't, I think, you know, it's it's clear. He he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. What it he does not have what it takes to be great. And it's a shame because he's got all the physical ability in the world, but and you physical got people- ability it. It doesn't make all that other stuff, all the mistakes he's made go away. Just yeah. and you got people bending over backwards to get you on the right path to where you can take advantage of your uh your naturally gifted talents, you know, and I I just think it's incredibly uh selfish. I don't know what you can you can go down the list. Um I hate to see it, you know. Hopefully he gets the help that he needs to where he can stop making bad decisions. But my goodness, it's just, it's frustrating to see because there's guys that are just dying to have those opportunities and to do the right things. And if you can't do the right things when Matt Rule is leading your program, the problem is you. (laughs) Right. Because that guy, like, he's... I think him and Venables are cut from a very similar cloth when it comes to the character stuff off the field, the expectations, but also like pouring into his guys just from everything I've been told. I've also been told that dude is just a grinder as a head coach, but it is, I mean, I think it, it says a lot about him that rule comes in. He has that certain reputation of pouring into his guys. And then you're, you reward Matt rule by, breaking into a liquor store and a vape store and stealing a bunch of stuff that just, I can't imagine that's what's been being preached since rule took over. No bad, bad thing all the way around. Bad look. Yeah. Bad look. Now I'm with you. Hopefully he gets the help he needs. Hey, maybe I hope we see him play football. 
I, I really do because I think the guy's incredibly talented, but I just that seems that seems unlikely with the uh with the point we're at with with his career. Yeah, gonna be tough. Yeah. Gonna be tough. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier, people, and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's opolisclothing.com, O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Josh Dobbs. Now, Arizona Cardinal fans probably aren't thrilled with some of the decisions, right? Some of the moves that the organization has made lately, right? They cut Colt McCoy, but Hey, all of a sudden Josh Dobbs is a starting quarterback in the national football league. Good for him. Well-documented the big brain on this guy. He was with, I believe he's with Arizona's OC last year in Cleveland. So they may be tanking for Caleb Williams. Who knows? But good for Josh Dobbs. How about that? Yeah. Hey, you got an opportunity. Um, it's got to be kind of a weird dynamic, but here we go. Off we go. <laughs> yeah. Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon, currently the options for the Cardinals. So, yeah. Maybe they may be looking to acquire that first pick. Now, we'll see when Kyler comes back. Who knows? Uh, no, I'm sure they'll be smart with that ACL. But, yeah, I glad I'm not a Cardinals fan. I'll say that. Yep. Uh, well, it's it's going to be a rough first half of the season and I guess maybe an entire season, but hey, you'll have something to show for, for it, perhaps. Yeah. All right, but my winner of the week, Justin Thomas. Guy had a really rough year on the PGA Tour. But Zach Johnson announces his captain picks for the Ryder Cup a month from now in Italy, and Justin Thomas is one of them. And he is going to be under a lot of pressure to perform with the type of season that he had. But Ted, what a great opportunity for Justin Thomas to tell everyone, hey, like, just just pipe down. I got this. If he goes out and is awesome, and he has been tremendous in Ryder Cups and President's Cups in the past, if he goes out there and does the damn thing, man, everyone's forget going to forget about how bad of a season he had. Yep. I mean, it's, hey, you're there. You got the opportunity. You're going to have to uh, put everything that's happened here recently behind you and get your game for uh for a week. Is it a two-week deal or is it just one week? It's just one week, right? Yeah, it's just one week. You, you're going to have to you have to get it going for one week. You need to find the game because if you don't and it goes poorly, there's going to be a lot of fingers pointed at you and Zach Johnson, frankly. Yeah. His other captain's picks, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, and Sam Burns. Those guys are going to join Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Xander Shoffley. And they're probably going to be the underdog, especially since 
I and I could not believe this. The U.S. has not won a Ryder Cup on the road since 1993. Dang. So maybe maybe Justin Thomas struggling through the season. Maybe this is the maybe just comes out on fire and he's the difference. That'd be an awesome story. Now there's also some potential disaster potential there, right? But I love the Ryder Cup. I hate, hate that it's during football season so we can never go. But, man, I saw this list and I was like, all right, let's get weird, boys. Come on, USA, USA. Yeah, uh, I like the lineup. You know, and, and I like Justin Thomas. I hope he goes out and plays well. He's He's a fun guy to watch whenever he's got it going. So, We'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough though. Yeah. We'll see. I I remain optimistic, right? When I can cheer for the red, white, and blue, you bet your sweet ass I will. There you go. It'll be fun. All right, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with Kenny Dillingham, the head coach there at Arizona State. My read on the situation, and maybe maybe he knew, right? But it really feels like the leadership at Arizona State blinded sided him and his players with that self imposed bull band. Uh, you saw his media availability after the morning after or after the after practice when it happened that morning. And he said all the right things, but he also sounded pissed. Right? And it honestly, the way that he handled it made me a, a big fan of his. I'm not sure they were going to win six games this season, Ted. That seemed unlikely, but I hate it for those players. I hate it for Kenny Dillingham. Herm Edwards, who did all of it, like he's not getting punished at all. He's all over ESPN still, you know, telling people what they should and shouldn't do. But it feels like Arizona State may have a good one at head coach. And I have no clue how their athletic director still has his job. It's insane. No kidding. Um, I. <laughs> I get, is is what is, do you know any of the rules or specifics on a self-imposed bull ban? Like all all I know is Jeremy Pruitt was passing out bags of cash, and Tennessee was able to av- avoid a bull ban. Yeah, I, I'm. I guess what I'm saying here is, if there's no like rule on whenever you have to like self-impose a bull ban, like I don't even know what that means. I guess you just turn down an invite. Why don't you wait and see how the first part of the season goes? Yeah. Why do this now? And it is, it is ridiculous, right? You're talking about, they're trying to get ready to play a game and the entire team finds this out. And you've got guys that have transferred in, right? That chose Arizona state. And it makes you wonder, did those guys know this was coming? And it seems like none of them did. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, but I guess I'm not that surprised, right? I think we've all seen how incompetence is a strong word, but just I, I don't think Arizona State has the greatest leadership in the athletics department and at the president level. Yeah. It also feels like the NCAA is really making a push because we heard all this NCAA's irrelevant talk feel like they're really making it a making a push here to assert that they still have some control over the sport and i think they are picking 
it feels like they're picking a little bit randomly, but teams that kind of have a lot to lose, you know, that I, I don't know. It seems very strategic by the NCAA. I, I'm not even sure they would have gotten a bull ban. If Tennessee, I, I with I, everything they did, they avoided a bull ban. Why would Arizona state get a bull ban? And the NCA in the Tennessee case, they made it clear, like, we don't want to punish the current the current players and coaches for the actions of the past staff, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something they said. Why would this be any different? That's where part of me thinks Arizona State was like, we just don't want to play the legal fees. We'll just self-impose full fans. Like, I, yeah, and, and that may be the case. I don't know, but it, it feels like it, it, it feels like there's they're hanging something over them to where they – they have to do something. I it's the same situation with Michigan, in my opinion. I there there's there must be some like very severe punishment that they've at least floated out there in order for these teams to take the uh, kind of actions against themselves that they're taking. And it seems strange to me, especially yeah. considering the Tennessee Tennessee deal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. But I'm a Kenny Dillingham fan. Yep, same. Yeah, I liked it. All right, but my loser of the week, I disagree with this man seldomly. Nick Saban. This whole not releasing a depth chart and, and the way that he framed it, like he basically made it sound like the media makes such a big deal out of the depth chart that it's like the media's fault. He's not doing it because the media makes it into this big thing where they see this depth chart, the initial one, as a final depth chart, and there can't be any changes. We all know that's not true. And then he goes on to say, like, it creates a bunch of distractions on the team. He wants his players to continue to compete. And this was the thing where he said, he doesn't want anyone on their team feeling like they're a backup player or whatever is how he phrased it. What? This is, this goes against everything I've ever been told about this man from guys that have played for him, guys that have worked under him. What what's going on in Tuscaloosa, man? Like, if you don't want to tell us who you're going to play at quarterback, then just say that don't come it up with this. Because it kind of sounds like he said, I don't want to hurt my players' feelings. Which is insane to me. Right. You want my theory? Yeah, because everything about the everything that this guy does is calculated. So explain ex, what am I missing? Explain it to me. I I'm just throwing something out there because I feel like it is the it is very anti Nick Saban, but the conversation this off season about Alabama has not been very glowing. There's a lot of people think that his run is over. Um, a lot of people picking Texas to go down and beat Tus- uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I it's it's been a strange off season, and I almost feel like. If you're going to say something stupid about us, we're not going to give we're not going to give any fuel to the fire. And it's almost I feel like 
not a punishment to the media, but I don't. Maybe that's the only way to put it. Like, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna say stupid things, well, I'm not gonna give you any information. That's so, just kind of how I feel. It is. You you think the media has hurt Saban's feelings, so he's like, you don't get a depth chart. Well, I just I think that. He also, he doesn't have to put one out, right? There's no rule. Right. But saying that that's fine. Like if he's pissed at the media for what they've been saying during the off season and he doesn't want to give them a depth chart, fine. But to say that you don't want any of your guys feeling like backups. What? Well, I mean, here's the other thing. I don't know when classes start in Alabama, mm. but if you got a bunch of guys that you feel like are tickling with the transfer portal before classes start that are graduates or something. I, that's the only other thing because we've seen a lot of these quarterback contests where we know who the starter is, but they, they're not naming it until really late for, I think reasons to keep guys from transferring. I, I get that the portals kind of changed everything, right? But I just don't think players need to be handled this way. As a player, all I wanted was for the coaches to be honest with me and to understand where I stood. That's all I wanted. Right? And it'd be one thing if we were having this conversation about Colorado. This is Alabama, man. These guys well, know uh, what they signed this, up though. for. Let me ask you this, though. Have you ever been on a team and been in a situation going into a game where you don't know who the starter is? No. My point is the team, everyone there knows the depth chart. Which is what makes what he said insane. I know, but the team the team knows the depth chart. And I... They, for the most part, they know who's going to be announced like coming out of the tunnel and they do the home, like read the rosters and all that stuff. That's why I think it's a punishment for the media. Well, I, I think it's going to do the exact opposite thing. <laughs> the depth chart wouldn't have been that big of a story. Now it's a massive story. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, now it's a massive story and it's Alabama, man. I feel like every guy there knows what they signed up for, right? All high four-star and five-star players. Like, you know, that's the whole thing. That That's anything I've ever been told about that program since he took over. Like, it's competition, competition, competition. Like, to be a starter at Bama, like, it's a battle, man. So when he says stuff like this, I just, it blew my mind. I watched it three times to make sure I, I didn't miss anything. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I got I've got to be misunderstanding something here. And no, dude said it. At, I was stunned because not being a starter, when that initial depth chart came out, like not being a starter, that was like the most motivating thing in the world for a lot of guys in our locker room. It's like, hey, I want to get my name on that one line. And a quick story, 2010, we have an opener against Utah State. I had I had outplayed Stephen Good all training camp. That we were very different players 
and he's an awesome guy. He's probably the strongest person I've ever been around. But I was playing better football than him. Friday, before we go out for walkthrough, James Patton says, I'm starting Stephen Good. You're going to play a ton, but you're not starting. And I was furious. Made a bit of a scene. Not, not <laughs> It was just me, but like it was like, what the there was a lot of four letter words and then it was hey you're you're gonna have no choice but to put my name at the top of that effing depth chart when we play florida state next week like and that's how and i was determined to not feel that feeling that i was feeling at that moment in time again and i never did started the the final 12 games of that year 38 more after that Never felt that feeling again. It was ultra motivating for me. So when I heard Saban like, oh, I don't want any guys feeling like they're a backup or whatever. Just from my personal experience, I was like, listen, that was one of the keys for me as a player was knowing I was a backup and not a starter for that game. I yeah. was furious, dude, like and embarrassed. Like I, my parents thought I was going to start in the game. <laughs> like, I was pure, and I was like, I am never feeling that again. Yeah. And I used that for the rest of my career. Like, I never wanted my name to be on that two line while I was a college football player. I think Saban, if he's approaching it that way, which maybe, maybe he isn't, maybe this is just a weird stunt publicly, he's doing those guys a disservice because that's not real life. Real life is not, oh, you know, we're all, you all play. No, no, no. And, Every aspect of life, there's starters, there's backups. It's just, that's life, man. So I I still can't believe he said this. Still can't believe it. I know. You know, it. just one more point. Um, It's very interesting to just kind of hear a couple of different things from across the country. Uh, and some of it is just the reality of, of your situation. But I don't know. I almost feel like there's something underlying here. Gundy said, you know, the amount of people Oklahoma State's going to play, right? Coach Venables talking about the amount of guys OU's going to play. You know, he was saying it at Rudy's. If you've earned 20% of snaps, we're going to play you 20% of the snaps. If you've earned 50%, we're going to play you 50%. Last year, I wish I would have played more guys. I think there is a there's a concerted effort to play more young players, number one, to try to keep them from getting in the transfer portal. Number two is to protect your roster against losing guys in the transfer portal as far as developing younger talent. Almost like we were talking about with Matt for Arkansas State, you know, Butch Jones is – he said he's going to play a bunch of freshmen, true freshmen. You know, I he's trying to develop the culture. You can't you can't have a culture program if you're bringing in, you know, 60% of your starters on a year-by-year basis on a one-year rental from the transfer portal. So I think maybe there's some of that going on across the country too. Yeah, but and maybe and you if can't I was... come out and say it. Like yeah. you can't come out and say like, we're going to play a bunch of guys at different positions because we think they may get in the transfer portal. Yeah. And maybe it would be different if I was in the coaching world, but if I had a young player 
and we put out a depth chart and his reaction is to shut it down and to go somewhere else. Maybe that guy wasn't right for our program. And I know there's a, there's a, you got to balance all that now, right? With how college football is. I get that, but there's a spectrum of the guy's not right for our program. But the talent says, that yeah, I know there's, there's definitely a spectrum, but it, it's a sliding scale. Yes. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't think some of these kids are as soft, mentally fragile, like whatever term. I, I know a lot of people say that about this generation, right? And I wasn't some, you know, super tough guy. I'm not going to pretend I was, but that, I, I just, I think maybe kids are just being handled too carefully. That's true. That's just, well, you know, I I think, you know, the biggest problem with the transfer thing is nobody in college football likes it. Yeah. But it's going to have to come from the conferences can make whatever rules they want. Okay. And, And just like you saw all the conference, almost like dominoes open up their transfer rules. I don't remember who the first person to to say it was, but that's what opened it up. Now, the SEC isn't going to say no longer transfer in conference or like you have to miss a year. They're not going to do that if the Big Ten isn't going to do it. Right. In in the Big 12, they're not going to put themselves at a disadvantage. So there needs to be like a a mafia-style meeting of the families where everyone comes together and, and even though we hate one another, we have to look at something in the portal and all agree to making some rule changes within our conferences. If, if we want to eliminate some of this stuff that's going on. Yeah. Last thing I'll say, I bet George is going to put out a depth chart. What if they don't? Then maybe I'll change my thinking. <laughs> no, but- they will. They are uh they are the current king in the SEC, and I expect them to put out a depth chart. Just saying. On that note, episode 349. Can you believe the next one's gonna be 350? Let's go. It's crazy, man. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, you know, your Teddy from three to six on the ref, and you can hear me from two to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Saturday, baby. Let's go. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one more time.